Mark chapter 15 tonight. So did you guys, uh, do you know what you call cheese that's under your bed? A monster. <laughs> that's a Gouda one. You guys are welcome. I looked hard for that tonight. My wife made fun of me for it. So, but uh, that was a good one. Did you hear Mark 15? All right, Mark 15. So I had a couple thoughts that I wanted to share with you tonight. And uh, I was really kind of uncertain of what direction to go. And I was telling Cindy, I'm not sure, you know, what, what I'm going to preach on. And she said, well, tell me and I'll vote. <laughs> so I told her and she voted and here we go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she did say that, but we didn't go as far as the voting process. And, and, uh, but Mark 15, we're going to talk about the less tonight, the less. And we're going to read this one verse. If you want, you can go to Proverbs chapter 20 and hold your finger there. We'll be there here uh, in a few moments. I think we'll uh, likely be out a little bit earlier than normal tonight. And, uh, but I really do believe that this is what the Lord has for us. Um, I'm thankful for the Bible. Uh, I've been reading the book of Mark for a while now. And uh, the Lord's really shown me some things in the book of Mark recently. Uh, and it's been a blessing for me. And so tonight I'm going to share one of those things that he uh, showed me recently. And, uh, but if you look at verse 40, we're going to read this one verse and we'll pray real quick and then uh, get into it. It says, there, was, there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the less, and of Joseph and Salome. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word and for what you've done in my heart here. And I just pray, Lord, that you would anoint the preaching of the word of God, that you would have free course in the hearts tonight. Lord, we ask that you would come and meet with us. And Lord, that you would give us something to help us to be better servants for thee. Lord, that we could truly reach those folks around us. We give you thanks for it. We pray that you be with our preacher as he's away. Give him safety as he travels, Lord. We pray that you would refresh him. Lord, bless that meeting. And Lord, we ask that you just bring them back safely soon. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, and, and I know for those of you that have been here on Sunday mornings, you know that uh, this is uh, kind of obviously pastors in the book of John, but these are those similar events that pastors been in the last couple of weeks. But as I read this verse, I noticed that word when it, when it talks about uh, Mary, the mother of James, and it says the less. And I couldn't help but think, what a bummer. I mean, this guy is recorded in the halls of history of eternity as being the less. And uh, it, it just kind of hit me, and I was thinking, boy, um, what an interesting observation we have here. Uh, he identifies this person as the less, Mark does. Thanks, bud. You know, uh, we've been laboring together, we've been serving the Lord together, and, and this is how he refers to him, the less. And... and uh, <clears throat> The term less, it comes from the Greek word micros. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce that. And, um, and there's at least two meanings that this term, the less, here could be. And uh, one could be a reference to his height or stature. And uh, I'm sure my kids would think that that's what's applicable here. Just today, I'm not making this up, just today, Colin came up to me and went, you know, and 
they, they think it's a joke because I'm so short. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but uh, the opposite here could also be said so. It could be a reference uh, to his position or status. And really as not to confuse him with James, the son of Zebedee, James the Apostle. And so uh, I don't think we can be dogmatic either way. If you look at Luke 19 and verse 3 and it says, And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And of course you're familiar with that verse. It's talking of Zacchaeus. And that word little there is the same Greek word that we're talking about tonight. And it's talking about his stature. He's Justin DeGarmo size, not Colin DeGarmo size, right? Uh, but if you Acts 26 and verse 22, it says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small, same word in the Greek that we're talking about, and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And so I believe the Apostle Paul was preaching to the small, right? The less known. And also to the kings, right? And we know that the Apostle Paul had appealed, appealed even to Caesar. And he went and he was able to preach and share the gospel with, with everyone. From little stature, big stature, from insignificance to those that are in prominence, right? And so, uh, but for tonight, I, I want to make the application of the latter. An application of the less being the less prominent or less known. And uh, really, it's a challenge is, are we willing to be the less? Are we willing to be the less? Uh, the companion Bible note says this. It, it refers to it. It agrees that it's in the second uh, illustration that I gave, and it's talking about insignificance. It says junior, and it says divinely supplied only in Mark. And right, if you, if you go look at the other Gospels, you don't see that. Uh, nobody describes him there as the less other than Mark. And it says, only in Mark to distinguish him from James the Apostle. And so it was a matter of distinguishing between somebody of potentially more significance. And so we're going to take that application tonight. And uh, listen, I think in, in any case, certainly, uh, this is not how most of us would have desired to be identified. The less. I think we would all agree with that. I don't really like it when people point out that I'm shorter than them. Um, Colin, Colin's pretty good at it. He does it frequently. And, and, uh, but if we had the opportunity to influence how someone described us, I think it would likely be far more significant or flattering. If we said, Hey, you're writing a book here. I, I got some notes you can include about me. It probably would not have the words, the less we would want to be referred to in a, in a higher regard, maybe. Um, and, and we need to be careful about that. And so tonight I'm going to share with you, what does the scripture teach on such a response? If somebody were to describe us in this manner, this, this the less, this James guy, but he's, he's not the James that you really know and the one that you really like, the one that you're thinking of when people say the name James. It's this other guy. And I'm going to remind you, you can go to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. I'm going to remind you of a well-known scripture tonight, and we're going to look at a few things. It says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. And so we see what our heart attitude ought to be is kind of revealed here in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. Uh, most will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Uh, we're pretty good at that. 
uh, but a faithful man who can find. So I have three things for you tonight. A proclamation of goodness. Pretty obvious right there. It says proclaim everyone his own goodness. Uh, Listen, uh, for many, their good works are simply that of a running mouth. That's probably true more than we want to admit. Because we talk a, a, a lot about the things that we accomplish or even those things that we want to or desire to accomplish. But how often are we the ones that are found faithful to accomplish those things? And, and so, Lord, help us not to be those that uh, are just the good works of a running mouth. And um, I'm sure you guys have heard one of these types of people. Uh, <clears throat> they say they can do much or they can accomplish a lot of things. Or they're good at a lot of things. Uh, but when you get out on that job site with them and, and they're the person that seems to accomplish the least. Uh, I've worked with people. Boy, I, I cannot... I can think of a person right now, I won't name him by name because this is going on the interwebs and uh, for the sake of uh, not embarrassing him and myself, I won't mention his name, but we were in Iraq one year and we were doing a bed down and and I was an electrician at the time. It was before I was retrained. It was actually, I got notified to retrain while I was there, but uh, well, actually after I went to, I went to Iraq and Afghanistan that year. So later on when I was in Afghanistan, anyway, so we're there and uh, we're, on the border of Iran and Iraq and we're, we're building out this outpost and, and uh, we're doing a lot of work and there was uh, one power production guy, right? I call him a tire kicker, a generator guy. They don't do anything. Um, they just, the generator runs good. It doesn't, uh, everyone else is working and laboring, right? And so this guy, the whole like two weeks we're trying to, to do this build out. We're building tent floors and, and I think we did some bathrooms and showers and well, we were running a lot of cable, of direct buried cable. We were burying it and building a lot of panels. And so we were just busy, uh, dragging cable and all kinds of stuff. It's hot and we're laboring. And, and this guy is over our shoulder the whole time. Like, oh, are you sure you want to do it this way? Are you sure you want to do it that way? I'm like, you're not even an electrician, man. You're, you're a power pro guy. Go check the generator, you know? And, and so, but we get all the way. I think it was like a two or three week build. We get to the end. And it's time to fire up the generator and power all of this stuff that we just built. The generator didn't start. He never checked the generator. He was too worried about and concerned with what everyone else is doing. And he was talking about, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Uh, but he never did his own job. Uh, listen, we're often guilty of the same thing. Uh, we talk the talk, but we don't walk it. Uh, we're good at proclaiming our own goodness, our own benevolence, and, and our accomplishments. And um, listen, we, we need to be careful that we don't become guilty of, uh, of the same things that the scribes and Pharisees were guilty of. Uh, this, this is terrible in the Air Force. I think it's just like the norm. I don't know. Everybody just, when it's EPR time or awards time, everybody starts writing Boy, you'd think they'd say, Ellsworth Air Force would not operate without this airman right here, just the way that they wrote about themselves. And, uh, but reality, that was the person who just stayed in their office and wrote bullets all the time and didn't do any work. Uh, they just got good at writing. But uh, we need to be careful that we're not uh, <clears throat> tempted to do that, just to talk the talk. Look at what Matthew 23, 5 says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylactery, phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5. 
Speaking of the scribes and the Pharisees, those that physically altered their appearance to be seen of men, proclaiming their own goodness, their, their philactrophies and, and those, the scriptures that they uh, adorned themselves with and, and they changed and modified their garments, it says, so they could be seen and noticed of men. And, and the Lord says, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. Their sole desire is just to have some position of prominence or stature in society. Look at us. Look, look how spiritual I am. Look how righteous I am. Uh, and then in verse 28, in that same chapter of Matthew, it says, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. And this is when Jesus is actually rebuking them. But within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He said, you've focused so much on this outward thing of proclaiming your own goodness. But within, and we know in the same passage, he talks about there being dead men's bones within that whited sepulcher. And we see they've focused so much upon the outward and, and the proclamation of their own goodness and how righteous that they are. And listen, I'm telling you this, this evening, if you're not careful, uh, we can begin to boast in the things we have accomplished or even those things that we haven't accomplished, but we intend to accomplish. I don't know if you guys know Mark Rogers, uh, evangelist, uh, singer. Um, I remember he sang a song, Good Intentions. Good intentions are not enough. Listen, we can talk about all the good we're going to do. We can talk about sharing the gospel with others. We can talk about uh, being faithful. Uh, but those good intentions aren't enough. Sometimes you got to put your boots on and strap them up tight and, and just start rowing or hoeing that row, right? I'm not a farmer. I don't know. But uh, you, you make that row straight. And, and, uh, but listen, sometimes we just got to shut our mouth and start doing. Uh, quit proclaiming the goodness that we uh, have or have accomplished in the past. Uh, we need to be careful about resting in, in past successes. And so that brings us to number two. A problem is revealed here in this verse. It, what's the problem? It's pretty simple. It says there, it says, but a faithful man, who can find? A faithful man, who can find? There's plenty of people that can get out there and start broadcasting and proclaiming how good and, and, and even successful that they are, but, but where can we find a faithful one? Uh, a lack of faithful servants is the problem. I'm afraid our churches are full of people that want stature or position or influence rather than just to be faithful and serve their God. Uh, to be a servant, as we'll look here in a few moments. Uh, listen, we, I believe that with all our churches are in trouble because we have a lack of servants. We don't have a servant's heart anymore in some of our churches today. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. Uh, I'm not saying, but I, I know I've been guilty of it at times. Um, one of the things that Cindy and I, we had premarital counseling uh, almost 20 years ago now. Well, probably 20 years ago now because we had a pre-marriage. We've been married almost 20 years, so, so 20 years ago. And, and we got some counseling, and, and one of the best pieces of advice that we were ever given was that when we get married, it's to serve the other one. And if she's serving my needs, guess what? My needs are met. And if I'm serving her needs, her needs are met. 
She doesn't have to be selfish and focus on herself because I'm taking care of those things. And I'll tell you what, I've noticed in our marriage when we get away from those and that thought process of serving one another, that's when we have trouble. And I think our churches have trouble because we don't have the servant attitude that we ought to. Christ came as a servant. Our greatest example. But the problem here, look at Psalm 12 and verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. There's a lack of faithfulness. And it's obvious from these passages and the things that we've just read that there's a lack of faithful service to the Lord. I don't think anybody could, uh, could argue that uh, tonight. Uh, no one likes to hear, uh, listen, no one likes to hear from the person that points out the problem but never has a solution or any ideas to fix it, right? I can tell you that's a problem, right? The, the verse 20 or verse 6 in chapter 20 tells us what, uh, what's the problem. There's a lack of service, but how do we fix that? Uh, <clears throat> there are some people, it's almost like they get pleased out of finding all of the, the shortcomings, shortfalls, or limb facts. Uh, it's like they, they glory in the negative. Here's the problem, and, and they just, uh, it's all they worry about is the problem. Uh, we know there's a lack of faithfulness, and listen, tonight I'm telling you, regrettably, I think that that can be said of, of the people of God. There's a lack of faithful service. Proverbs 25, 19 says this, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. I've never had a broken tooth. I've met some people that did, and it wasn't pleasant from what I observed. I've never had a foot out of joint, but I have dislocated my shoulder. And I can assure you that was very unpleasant. I'll never forget looking over and my shoulder was not here. It was back there. And I was like, that doesn't look normal. And I tried to move it and I just kind of lifted up and it went and fell back in. I was like, ooh. And when that happened, that's when the pain started. When that thing reset. And I got dizzy. I almost got lightheaded like I was going to pass out. I was like, I better sit down. That, that did not feel pleasant at all. Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like that. Listen, in times of trouble, and I'm telling you, our nation's in trouble. Listen, the lost that we're around every day, they're in trouble without Christ. And if we can't have confidence in the people of God to be faithful and to spread the gospel, it's going to be painful. It's going to be like that, that foot that's out of joint or that shoulder that's out of joint or, or those of you that have ever had a broken tooth and experienced that pain. Uh, that's not something you want to experience. It's not pleasant. Uh, but listen, uh, unfortunately, in the house of God even, we have some folks that aren't faithful. There's folks that aren't even faithful to attend the house of God, let alone faithful in their daily walk with the Lord and faithful to serve Him and to share the gospel. When times get tough, no one wants to be associated with an unfaithful person. I've been there before. I hate missing deadlines. I hate it. So uh, we have 
<clears throat> we just got through the enlisted performance report season, uh, EPR season, and, and uh, we have, oftentimes I have to do decorations and things for the guys that are uh, doing amazing things and, and supporting and defending our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Um, but they're all deadlines with those things. They need to be turned in. And so in my current position, there are multiple layers before some of those things get to me. Because it's upon the supervisors of these individuals at the lower levels to do the initial drafting of some of this stuff. And what I have been guilty of in the past, and I had to, I had to actually change this because it wasn't doing anybody any service in the long run, is when I knew a deadline was coming, I would just do it. So I'd take, hey, your guy's got a decoration. Uh, I'm just going to take that. I'm going to do it. And I would do it. Oh, this, these EPRs, one year I wrote all the staff sergeant EPRs myself, and the technical sergeants didn't really touch them at all, hardly. Um, that's not good. But I hate deadlines, missing those things. And so this year we had deadlines, and, and I, I, I learned that I need to afford those guys the opportunity to develop themselves and to grow and kind of do this stuff themselves. And so I said, hey, here's the deadlines. I need these by these days, and that gives me a little time to look at it before it goes up higher and well, we missed the deadline, and I hate it. Nobody likes to be associated with those that are unfaithful. Nobody likes when something needs done that you don't know if this individual is going to show up or not. Uh, nobody likes that. And so I'm telling you this evening, this brings us to our final thought, and it's a proper response or a solution to this problem. A solution to this problem of a lack of faithfulness in what we'll say tonight, the people of God. And so here's the response that we ought to have. And listen, let's be the solution to the problem. Let God find us at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle faithful. Amen. Let God find us. Let's resolve to be faithful to follow the Lord and allow Him to do the exalting. Right? Because everyone's trying to proclaim their own goodness, right? Everyone wants to be exalted and lifted up and, and to get the visibility. But let's leave that to God and let's just be faithful. Let's resolve to be faithful. God doesn't want, and, and honestly, He doesn't need those to proclaim their own goodness. What He really wants is, is us to be humble and to serve. That's really what He desires. Is humility... And obedient service. Mark chapter 10 verses 42 and 45. And you can turn there. It's just a couple pages over. <clears throat> but here preceding these verses. Uh, we see the apostles. And, and uh, <clears throat> really James and John. The sons of Zebedee here. In verse 35. They come to the Lord. And they're, they're asking if they can be sit, seated at his side. And. And the Lord tells them that that's not, you know, for him to give, and, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. You see that in, in verse 40. And then in verse 41, the other 10 heard it, and, and they began to be much displeased with James and John. Hey, but you guys can't be asking for prominence with leaving us out. That's not fair. But, and so that's kind of the context of what takes place here. And, and so let's pick it up in verse 40, 42, and it says, But Jesus called them, to him, And so this is after they were concerned 
uh, about the, they were concerned about this prominence, if you will, and, and being seated at his, his right hand and left hand. And, and so he calls all 12 of them to himself. And he says this, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. Look at verse 43. But so shall it not be among you. He's saying that's what the Gentiles do. They exercise lordship and, and uh, they have these great ones that exercise authority. But that's not what I have for you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And then he gives a great example here. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we see the proper response or the solution to the problem of the lack of faithful people is for people to become servants. And forget about trying to seek the prominent positions, but just serve humbly. And so the, the solution to the lack of this is for God's people to put aside their desire for notoriety, for significance, and take upon themselves the form of a servant and serve the Lord humbly. We're not going to go to Philippians chapter 2 tonight, but I encourage you to read that. It gives the greatest example of how our Savior came. The God, the creator of the earth came as a servant. And he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, it tells us there in that passage. And he didn't look for any accolades. He didn't look for any position of power. He just came to humbly serve. He subjected himself to his own creation. I don't even like to subject myself to my kids. But listen, sometimes we ought to be serving our children ministering to the needs of our children. That doesn't mean we lose the position of, of, uh, of the, the hierarchy that God set up in the home, but sometimes I'm afraid there are some parents out there that think that they're the Lord and ruler and their kids are, ought to be at their beck and call. I don't believe that's the case. That doesn't mean there's not discipline in, in those kind of things, but um, <clears throat> in the same chapter of Matthew where we see uh, the scribes and the Pharisees serving the, for the wrong reasons, right? We see how they, they even altered their outward appearance and, and it was all just to impress men. Just before Jesus gives them that reproof that we, that we read there, in verse 12, this is what it says, Matthew 23, 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Listen, we just need to leave that where God can take the control of the exaltation. We ought to be humbling ourselves and being willing to serve. Our service to the Lord is not about us, but about Him. It has nothing to do with us. We ought to be content to be the less, as we read about James, and allow God to do the exalting in his timing. Listen, it will come. And if you go to Philippians again, you'll see that God gave Jesus a name above all names. And God did the exalting in the end of that. And God will do the same for us. Uh, as he sees fit and as he sees appropriate, 
I want to read you this thought that I found about George Mueller. It says, when a man asked George Mueller the secret of his service, Mueller responded. Here's a quote. There was a day when I died, utterly died, died to George Mueller. His opinions, preferences, tastes, and will died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. I think we would do well to get a hold of this idea of James the Less. I think far too often we get distracted with those around us, with the influence of the world in our life, and we're more concerned with pleasing those. Listen, we can be more concerned with pleasing our spouse than we can be with the Lord, and that's a dangerous place. No, I believe that God will help us to honor our spouses as we serve the Lord and, uh, together, but, but listen, the reality is we can give our children a more prominent place than God in our lives if we're not careful. And I'm telling you tonight, you can give the church, the ministry, a more prominent place than God in your life because it becomes just the work of the ministry. You're serving because it's visible. You're serving because people see what you're doing. You're not serving because you're doing it to God and God alone. And that's what God truly wants. He just wants your humble service. And he will take you and, and do amazing things with you. We've seen it throughout history and, and many testimonies can be said of that. Listen, we need some, some Psalm 15, I think it's verse 46, uh, Christians. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. God, I'm going to do whatever you ask me. Whenever you ask me. And even when it hurts a little bit, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not changing God. You've asked me to do something, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to do it. Swear to your own hurt and change not. I've made some decisions in my life and I thought, why did I do that? And most of the time, I, honestly, I can say, you know what, I, I went through and, and I kept my word. That's what God wants. He wants that kind of faithfulness from us in the house of God. He wants us to be faithful. <clears throat> I'm going to leave you with a thought tonight. Imagine what God could do with a church full of faithful servants. Amen. Servants that don't care who gets the credit. Let's be that church. Amen. Let's be that church. James the Less was in no way lesser in God's estimation. That was something Mark penned down. Now, of course, we know it was by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe God thought any less of him. The same is true of all who will faithfully follow God in whatever he gives them to do. Whatever God gives you to do, God's not thinking any less of you. Regardless of what the world does around, what they may say, uh, don't be worried about that. Be worried about what God says. Earthly notoriety holds little value in God's kingdom. When you stand before your Savior... Well, Lord, you would not believe how highly these people thought of me. 
I don't think that I don't think that's going to be that's going to be the furthest thing from your mind when you're standing before the Savior. Rather, God faithfully wants those that will follow Him and living for Him. That's what God's going to honor. And so tonight, church, I just want to encourage you. Let's be the faithful church. Regardless of notoriety or any accolades from any outside source, but only that we would desire, like George Mueller, to please God and God only. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I do thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my heart uh, in this passage. And I pray, Lord, that you just continue to work in the heart of our church tonight. Lord, I pray that we would truly be a church, Lord, that is filled with, Lord, those that are humble and just desiring to serve. And Lord, I know that as we do that, as we're desiring to serve and meet the needs of others, Lord, there's no room for division or contention. And Father, I just pray that you'd help us to have a servant's heart and a servant's spirit in our church. And we'll give you the glory for what you will accomplish through that. In Jesus' name, amen.